Welcome to episode 308 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my deaf co-host Peter and Jake. <laughs> That's right, Kurt. Um, you gotta commit to the bit, in. Peter. You can't laugh. You gotta wait to come in, too. <laughs> it's ruined. Commit now. I'm committing now. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'll tune you out for the rest of this podcast. Sounds good. Um... I was gonna say this is the uh, the Coop Freet Memorial Edition of the cast, um, which is definitely going to be my. That's one of on the list of my pseudonyms is Coop Freet, um, which I found it because I was looking at the side of my potato cutting machine, which in French is Coop as in cut and Freet as in potatoes, so it's Coop Freets. Uh, thus killing the joke. Um, but no, I think I have to dedicate this one instead to um, leaning away from the mic at the beginning of the cast, which is the official uh, designated motion, the official sponsored motion of the Saturn Studs podcast. <laughs> As we were starting this episode, I just saw... I leaned away and Jake leaned away. We leaned away in sync as Kurt was uh, <laughs> he was doing the initial throw. Sometimes the just, hello... I'm. I always am concerned that it might bleed over. So I don't want it to. I've seen in the past that like it'll spike a little bit in the beginning, and I just don't want any sort of like echo. I don't want to have to turn down my mic or my headset uh, again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all so good. For, yeah, for we those love of you. Hello. We love the hello. Yep. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello. Yeah. So um, keep an eye out for that for all you deaf viewers at home. I just wanted to be loud enough so that the deaf listeners of the podcast could enjoy it. That's how I thought it worked. I thought, I'm like, why doesn't she just yell at her parents louder? Just. They'll rise from their graves and come back to life. Like, it's really, it's really touching for them to make a movie about zombies. <laughs> you know. Now, that, that's a truly juvenile <laughs> joke. That's fucking, like, third grade. I learned what deaf people are. Yeah, I... I I will offend too many people if, if I make my deaf jokes, and uh, this is too somber of a movie to uh, include those in there. <laughs> so I'm not going to be attempting to mimic sign language. I got that all out of my system last night in the privacy of my of my living room. <laughs> I was able to in front of my computer. <laughs> I was doing sign language for a solid half an hour. <laughs> Uh, I, I I conferred with my friend who takes ASL, what the what the proper signing terms are, uh, and I found out what that end two legs. Found out what that end one was. Was uh, eh, eh. that's I really love you when you do the uh, the twist ah, with the the, the classic fingers. I love you sign language with the twist. Is I really love you because they threw us through a loop. I was like, what is that? Oh, but he said he said this is a really good movie. He really liked it. So I'm assuming all the the sign language was pretty accurate, spot on. Wondering if they yeah, uh, I would hope so. So I wonder if like I know this uh, is an Apple TV original movie. Yeah. Um. So there was subtitles available for its initial release, but it did get a theatrical run, and I'm really curious to see 
if they included subtitles for the theatrical release because you can get the gist of what's being conveyed for the most part without the subtitles for the sign language stuff if you don't know sign language which i don't um aside mm-hmm. from like two things one of which actually made it into the movie <laughs> um yes several of, i know several of the swears you could <laughs> i didn't need subtitles for that stuff and uh but like there there are certain like major conversations and like a couple jokes that you would probably miss if you didn't know yeah, sign language definitely. and you have the subtitles on. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the sign for herpes is. <laughs> did did it sign mm. what she said when she did it? Or did, I mean, did it... Sorry, did it play yeah, what she so said? She, they did the sign, and then it played the subtitle of what they were saying. When yeah. he talked and to her. As I was watching. When, when he was like, why did she say she has herpes? Yeah, yes. okay. So, but yeah. but... When she originally did it, they left that out. I think that was intentional, because I think they intentionally left out yes. subtitles for some signing, uh, for yes, for the for the yeah, for, at least at least on the version of the subtitles uh, we yeah. had. So we watched this on on Plex, which uses a uh, open subtitle platform, which works pretty well for the most part. But there are sometimes some like weird sync and and missing subtitles. Um, so, so if you turned off the subtitles, would it have not shown subtitles? It didn't. So yeah, like I watched the first 20 minutes of the movie without subtitles and it didn't show anything. All right. Cause I, I, which is why I recommended subtitles. Cause I'm like, I missed, I missed some stuff. I had to go back and look at it again. Yeah. I I didn't know if it was like, sometimes they're baked into it. Like if they, I don't know. It might be baked into the theatrical. Maybe. Sometimes that's another thing with weirdness with Plex is it doesn't always like display burned in subtitles. I watched this on Apple TV, so um, that. But we had subtitles already on there, and it wasn't like a dual overlay or anything like that. But we did watch it with subtitles. Uh, I think already on. I don't think we. I don't remember selecting that, but we may have like already had that on from watching something before because we're a subtitle family. <laughs> I don't know if that was just uh. we use all we use all our senses in this house. <coughs> you know, I will say, I, Sound I mean, and yeah, I guess we'll we'll talk more about uh how the uh the conceit of the movie led to uh yeah. I think some of its Oscar buzz. Um mm-hmm. but that's as always towards the end of the show. We begin the show as we do every week with uh Trey Watch our trailer review and roundup segment, which uh, is coming at you hot with a bounty full of trailers. We got a we got a thin one this week, which is weird because this was uh, this was post Oscars. So you'd think I don't know, maybe it's just the Academy Awards that does that instead, where they um, they put out a bunch of new trailers. Well, they they right they before. uh they didn't want to compete with the media cycle around the uh, slap heard around the world. <laughs> well, there, there seems like there's a couple um, new TV spots. I wonder if did, did the Oscars play uh, on a network? Like, was there commercials and everything like that? Yeah, I'm wondering if there I were mean, TV spots specifically made for it. I wonder if typically, I believe ABC airs the Oscars. Uh, I, I don't know if they're still doing like online shit or actually like airing it. I, 
that, that, that's right. There was it was network. So you had to mute it and everything. There was all that debacle. Um, yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a cheap way to draw ratings. Yeah. Except in the past few years, it hasn't really drawn ratings. Yeah, but probably will next year. Though. Yeah, now that they got this slap heard around the world, <laughs> gotta tune in to see if there's gonna be another slap. Oh, uh, I watched a breakdown, and they're like, this guy who was like talking about it was like you know i've been in a, a few real fights and this looks like you know pretty real to me i'm like they are professional actors <laughs> so if it was staged they probably could do it pretty convincingly yeah i the giveaway for me was um actually hearing it and hearing like the mic pick up something and i'm like there was some weight behind that you know fake or not he hit chris rock <laughs> Yeah, uh, but he had that. I, I don't he had that for, pad. The giveaway for me was was that Will is now ousted by the yeah. Academy, and has made several <laughs> public apologies, yeah. PR apologies. I don't know. Well, well uh, I, it just seems a little suspicious that he was able to like just get up on stage, uncued. Like I don't know if they have security around the stage, or you know, at least they'd have an usher who would be like, uh, Mr. Smith, it's not your time to come up yet. So uh, I I think that... I'm going to put that on rich people. I, I think, rich. yeah, I think there was some debate on... Well, I, I heard there was some debate on actually possibly kicking him out after the The Aca- Academy said, and this is all, like, this is the issue with this. This is why it makes such good conspiracy fodder, is because, you know, of course, this is what they would say. Yeah in any situation but the academy has said that they asked him to leave and he refused oh see which again circles back to the idea of do they not have security that could escort him out well i i had heard that somebody was wanting to like the initial reaction was like we got to kick him out and then after a little bit more debate somebody higher up said no we'll handle this after the fact and i think that's because they knew that he was getting the award and they were like, we can't, we don't want to like stir the pot. And the reaction, <laughs> another thing that kind of seems a little fishy is the reaction to his winning the reward. Like he got a standing ovation. Like he didn't just yeah. assault someone in the middle of the fucking thing. Everybody's got really short memories. I mean, <laughs> I mean, everyone was laughing while Ricky Gervais was roasting them. You know, I think they just got that. Well, that's uh, the that's the camera be, thing, right? You figure that's like Will yeah. Smith himself Will Smith laughed at the joke. At the joke, he thought it was a good joke until yeah. he thought it wasn't. <laughs> until his wife was like, <laughs> so I'm, I guess what I I'm guess saying his is, marriage is open to everything except jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just Chris Rock, Rock was like, "Hey, I could have gone in on that. I could have gone in deeper, dude. That was tame." Compared to what I could have said, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess I guess with the standing ovation thing, it's just that I I'm guessing, you know, a bunch of Hollywood actors they're very much they'll be put on a smile for fucking everything and pretend it doesn't phase they're you. They're good at acting. Um, I don't know. For uh, I, I also don't care. So better the the sooner this gets out of the fucking room, yeah. The better I I was so man. It was just so. It was everywhere so fast. I was just like, all right, can we just stop? <laughs> My first reaction was, the Oscars were last night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some of these trailers. Uh, we'll start off with some some Netflix trash, which uh, 
It's releasing April 15th. Um, what was that movie that had Machine Gun Kelly in it a few years ago with escalating dares? Truth or Dare? It was just called Truth or Dare. Oh, is Machine Gun Kelly yes. in that? Yeah. Huh. Um, or Nerve, I think Tor- it might have been called. Taurus? Why is he in a bunch of movies? What the fuck? I think it might have been Nerve. Nerve. Yes. It's a 2016 movie called Nerve. So this is like Nerve if Nerve were more... Uh, it's like Nerve crossed with uh, any number of... If you die in the game, you die in real uh, life movies, which yeah. is mm-hmm. which is actually a pretty well populated subgenre. Which is yeah, this is as Kurt, Kurt and I were talking about this before the show. Um, this is like a good. This is a really good Goosebumps premise. Yeah, yeah, like for like a modern day Goosebumps, this would be a pretty good setup. It's a little like uh, violent for. Uh, for a kid show, mm-hmm. but the premise is kind of kiddie, and the uh, the acting is just pretty kiddie too. So, um, I'd say this was a Blumhouse movie if they weren't already signed on to uh, Hulu. <laughs> yeah, this feels like a lot of those uh, YA horror movies. You know, your uh, your escape rooms, your escape room two tournament of champions. <laughs> Yeah. They got a sequel. Choose or uh, die too. You know, choose again. That sort of thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure they already have four choose or die sequels in production. Oh yeah, this is this is going to be a. This is, they're going to find out there's a whole franchise of games that they got to play through in order to I don't know unlock the secret ending to get out of this game. Oh no, it's <laughs> it's worse than it's worse than you think. Oh, they're coming out with the next. They're making the next Halloween movie. Yeah, um, Halloween ends. They're or making an Exorcist uh, sequel. I I did hear about that. <laughs> um, they're coming out with something called the Black Phone. The is that racist? <laughs> Can't I mean, tell. All, all, like ninety percent of phones black. <laughs> yeah, that's a common color. <laughs> a lot of people like that. Oh wait, no, we saw the trailer for this. What the fuck? This was the kid who was in the basement and he gets the phone and he can like see dead people and the dead people. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, it actually, it has potential to be an interesting movie. Um, he, Der- Derrickson, the fucking director, left Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness to work on that movie. <laughs> well, he left uh, reportedly due to creative differences, and so they got Sam Raimi to to direct You'll it. Do it, Raimi. Creative differences. Um, they'll 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 say that for so, anything. <laughs> Which I guess is that yeah, that's Marvel code for they wanted to do something outside the Marvel formula, and we were comfortable with that for this movie. <laughs> they wanted to bring in well, they want to bring in Jared Leto's Morbius. Hey, they were just like, no, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't cross promote a movie that hasn't come out yet. We... You can't mul- you can multiverse, but not that hard. Um, I just want to point out this comment I found in the uh, Choose or Die comment section, which is always a dangerous but sometimes fruitful uh, field to plow. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's from I Executioner, spelled with leet speak. I refuse to watch trailers for streaming service trash, yet not only did he watch the trailer, he chose to leave a comment. (laughs) 
about his refusal to watch it. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, points deducted for not giving a seizure warning to the epileptics in the audience at 127. There's a big old flash. Several flashes, in fact. And I'm waking up watching this in dark. And boy, I was like, ah, if I was more sensitive to this, I could have died. <laughs> Jake's internal graphics card gave him a fucking Yeah, I had to restart. Saw that I, had to, I had to turn myself off and turn myself back on again. I'd be like, can we just give all photosensitive epileptics a new RTX card? We, we need it. RTX off. Or the GeForce. We need some sort of filters or some shaders to load that'll uh, you know help with flash and cache your shaders. Yeah, yeah. It was... That's crazy. So well, this this movie's about uh, a video game. So it's basically a mix of Truth or Dare and um, uh, the new, um, not Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji. Yeah, the new Jumanji. Yeah, or like an inscription or any number of. Like I said, this this that is a fairly populated subgenre. Weirdly yeah. enough. The video game will kill you or kill other people, I guess, because it doesn't seem like the girl is in danger. Do the thing. Like, the choose or die is literally a, a horror trope as old as, like, feudal Japan. Um, there's a classic yokai back in the... Back in the history, there's a there's a classic yokai, <laughs> which is the... It's the hand that comes out of the toilet. Oh, you see this class eye? It's really a portal to a yokai. <laughs> Um, but you know the the well, Kurt, you wouldn't know because you don't play Legend of Zelda. But um, <laughs> there's a hand in the toilet in those games, and that's an old uh, fairy tale, I guess. Fairy tale. Um, there's a hand on coming in the toilet, and you give it, it ask for blue or red. And if you say blue, it chokes you until you're blue in the face. And if you say red, it stabs you, and red blood comes out. I have heard of that. End before. of the story. So choose or die is. It's literally one of the oldest <laughs> scary moves in in all of storytelling. And I've played plenty of Zelda. I just don't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> it's different. You've never. Um, I was gonna I was gonna try and squeeze in like a, a wand of Gamelon reference in there. Perhaps a, a Faces of Evil. I won. Um, yeah. There's another Minions trailer. <laughs> Hell yeah, we got a. Oh, that's what I fully saw. extended. Speaking Minions. of speaking of awful animations, awful. Yeah, Did you uh, see their porous yellow spongy bodies? They were so well done. They're like a Twinkie, and I bet they're just as filled. Oh, with they green. will be. They get me in a room with them alone for five minutes. I'll pump Kevin full. <laughs> yeah, so. I've I never been less comfortable um, doing this show than I am right now. I don't. I, I can't say it. I can't say it out loud. It's awful. Little, just like this uh, movie. Move over, little Debbie. I got yeah. some minions to fill. <laughs> Boy, when you tell I mean, me there's it, some minion movie, I, you see these scenes. And you see all the pop culture references, and you see just the... If you just watch it with the sound off... I, like I am right now. And you try to figure out, how does this all connect into a coherent movie? You lose your fucking mind. <laughs> you know, 
There's so many interesting characters, like Lady with Big Hair. Um, Acupuncturist? Who knows Kung Fu? Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the group of supervillains, the, you know, Chinatown bullshit motif and... This is like weirdly a black exploitation kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like or like Big Trouble in Little China, but animated by Illumination and for so that you can have minions doing kung fu. I think wearing Kill Bill outfits. I think you can really the same color scheme. I think you can really boil it down to that like the scene that's like towards the end where they're learning the kung fu, and they really they really linger on this shot. Everything has been jumpy up until this point. And they're like, this is what our movie's about. And it's just minion-on-minion violence. And it makes me sad that uh, we've resorted to minion-on-minion violence and minion-on-minion crime. Because no one ever really talks talks about about minion-on-minion crime. No. And it's it's a shame. Oh, no. no. Oh, God. Okay. Um, This is... So, is it weird that the the little yellow characters have their main story taking place in Chinatown. Oh. Yeah. It's it's also weird. Of, it's kind of similarly weird how minions make up 11% of the population yet occupy uh, 70% of our person. I was wondering space. if we were going to do a 1350 reference. And uh, we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we did. <laughs> And I'm good that it, I'm good that it's 11 percent, and it's 75 percent of the crime. It is 75 percent of the crime, you know. And that's a real problem. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like maybe the you know, min- how do you explain that? I mean, you could say minions perhaps commit more or crime. Super villains, but yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe there's a lot of 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 super villain less <laughs> super villain less minions out there who just don't have a good father figure to look up to. Uh, and are out there committing crimes. Uh, maybe there's a a minion drug problem out there that they're. <laughs> maybe they're just led by you know they say they follow supervillains, but maybe there is like an alpha minion. He's maybe like some larger yellow thing, like shaped like a bear, maybe <laughs> like a big yellow bear. He have to distinguish himself from the rest of them by wearing something like a red shirt. You know, um, the Grand Pooh Bear. Uh, so you know, say. I'm just going to say it. I think we're all thinking it. I'm just going to say it. I think it's also a culture issue with the Minions. I mean, look at their music. Um, it's not exactly like <laughs> the most relaxing music. It's a lot of violence and a lot of like... There is a lot of yeah, a lot of violence against, against women in particular. It's glorifying crimes against Minions. Have we ever seen a Minion woman in public? No. No. <laughs> They're regressive. They're like the Smurfs. They're, they're, I know. I know it's not the most progressive view to hold, but I mean the minions. They're a regressive society, and I'm sick of all the mental gymnastics people will do to justify the minions' violence against women. These, these minion apologists. <laughs> you know, and if they don't like this country, they can go back to Minionland. This country ran just fine before they showed up. It'll run fine after they're gone. <laughs> Coming in here, taking our jobs. <laughs> taking our super schemes. Taking our super schemes. Working for all the villains. They're, they they used to have, you know, a lot of classy. Just watch Batman the Animated Series. Henchmen, minions. <laughs> show their class. They wore suits. 
to their job. I, those were they had respect for the craft. Yes, yes, those were those were very. They also had great, respect for American the craft crimes legacy. American again. <laughs> They're bringing in drugs. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna rape. They're not s- when they leave Minion Land. They do not send their best, <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's an appropriate appropriate way to leave it. I think that's that's right on the on the head. Go watch the new Minions. That's what we gathered from that shit. <laughs> Fuck. Talk to your senator about minion on minion crime. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to one thing after this movie comes out. Is that there's going to be a whole new slew of minion memes on Facebook. And I'm for it. Because those went out of style. They became cringe. And I think they're back in style. You know? Have I, we reached the point in the internet where we're, we're bringing old memes back? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Shrek. Like Shrek was cringy a while ago. And, and now it's like. Popular. Shrek was popular to bring back. Shrek will forever be based. <laughs> based. <laughs> remember, sh- remember, we watched Shrek reanimated. Yeah, Shrek retold. Yes, I do remember yeah, when is. you guys made me agree to watch that shit, yeah. and half of it was just a low effort lip syncing. Love the dialogue. it. It was great. Oh, there was like speaking four of, quality bits in that whole fucking thing, and one was the puppeteer. They're the four pillars of Shrek. Um, speaking of poor, uh, speaking of reanimation, I shouldn't say poor reanimation. This one was not on y'all's trailers, but I saw it in my related videos because, of course, my cue is fucked <laughs> as always. Um, but so y'all know about Ruby, right? That that CG project that Rooster Teeth did. Oh yes. yeah, like trying R-W-B-Y. to be their version of anime. Yeah. yeah. Well, now we've completed the cycle, and we've gone full circle because uh, Crunchyroll is now making an anime adaptation of Ruby. Is is it not already an anime? <laughs> I. We're gonna go with the we're gonna go with the weeb categorization was if it wasn't made in Japan and originally aired in Japanese, I'm not gonna call it anime. I know that doesn't Okay. I know that's a pretty that's a pretty tight restriction. So but, uh, yeah, I think I invented uh, a term for this. I call it a marame. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> they took it they took two D inspiration, turned it into three D, and now they're turning it back into two D. <laughs> I know Ruby was popular for a while, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament scene. Um, I've never watched. I don't even know what it's about. I think the girls are like androids or something like that. <laughs> um, I do know a little bit of what's it about. Uh, so um, four magical girls go to magical monster hunting school and they all have swords that are also guns. And they do magical girl school things. Sure. This 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 That's movie, uh, the trailer just informed me, this is about novice girls and their story of friendship. Um so, <laughs> there you go. There's your there's your synopsis. Um yeah, this this looks aggressively anime. <laughs> yes. Um the main draw of the original series 
was the um, the late Monty Ohm, who who animated the first couple seasons. He was a very passionate uh, animator who everyone kind of agreed had like really good fight choreography. And he did that all in like 3D modeling. And people were like, yeah, look at the fight scenes. These are amazing. And like they're, they're reanimating. They put the same fight scenes in this trailer. And I just don't see the same amount of like hyper action that was kind of characteristic of those. So I don't know what the heck. I don't know where they're going with this. Um, yeah. I for one. But it's, but it's I'm here. I'm really excited for that. You're excited for uh, Ruby? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Are you a, are you a, a rube head? Are you a rube? Miss screenshot why? <laughs> oh, right, because of anime titties. There we go. Found out, found out faster than I thought I would. There's there's a ninety percent chance this is going to be Yang, which is the the, the yellow haired one. Yeah, because that's where all the thirty four is, because she's the only one. <laughs> She's I think I think she assets. is the one with the biggest assets that I took the most time on, but yeah, yeah, it's the yellow one. Hundred percent the yellow she'd one. She'd be she'd be at home and cage show. Yeah. That's another thing I agreed to watch on this Woo-hoo! fucking program. Kaijo is something else. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> and good plot, man. I watch it for the plot. What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you read Playboy for the articles? <laughs> of course, they I get they get really good insight into. Honestly, it. honestly, I know this is like the excuse. There was a period of time where there were a lot of actually really interesting articles in Playboy. <laughs> like the written content was actually pretty good. <laughs> they they were for your brain and your head. How you yeah. thinking with both your heads at the same time? Exactly. Training you to be a successful. That's man. How they get you. Um, and then there is one last trailer that I got that it's not a trailer for anything. It's for a movie that already came out, but we're going to talk about it on the follow up. So I'll just kind of introduce it here. It's the trailer for RRR, um, which we did not see. It did not show up for us until we saw it in <laughs> just explode into number two, uh, this week, number, um, yeah, number. entirely without our our knowledge um, because Western, the Western box office does not want to cover <laughs> this uh, for all intents and purposes, blockbuster film. <laughs> um, it's the, I, it's occurring during some part of British uh, colonial times. Um, and they're, you know, the story, I guess is they're kidnapping villagers and there's one protector and he's going to protect them gonna protect them all it's him and then whatever government official who's like uh i don't know if he's working for the government like he's he's he works in the government like the provincial government um but i think he's trying to be like a man of the people or something like that i'm not quite sure but they have they it's big fight scenes a lot of big fucking crazy uh bollywood action a lot of slow motion. I love their slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the there's this fucking scene where they're they're like swinging on um, cables <sighs> on a bridge, and one of them's got like the flag. <laughs> He's like dipping in the water. They, they swing up and they do the they do their ha- like a handshake. It's ridiculous. 
It is. It's over the top, and it made so much money, in, as we'll see in the follow-up. Right, yeah. Right now. Uh, oh, well, I was yeah. gonna say there was some more um, or, trailers. All right, yeah. There's, oh, there are more trailers. Yes, there's this oh. one trailer for Duel, which is. Oh yeah, Duel. Um, as I understand it, a movie about killing your clone. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess in this universe, if you know you're gonna die, you can set up a clone. But they have pretty drastic. Um, which this is definitely something that would come up more often than not. Uh, if you know you're gonna die, and you end up not dying, you survive whatever ailment you're gonna have. Uh, you have to duel with your your clone, your replacement, to see whoever right who, yeah. who can win. You have to fight for your social security. Which is number. like, yeah, that of course is gonna happen. Like that that's gonna be like, it's not gonna be like more common than not, I guess. But it's gonna be well, it's common enough that they have a televised. Uh, series about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen a lot, and it seems pretty barbaric as fuck. They have entire dojos committed to training to be your own self. Yeah, yeah. and they have like <laughs> they use the same like I don't know if it's a violin track, but that same track has been in like eighteen trailers this year so far. Oh yeah, it's that quirky like oh this is a this is an unorthodox situation. And everyone's being very deadpan while explaining this strange, uh, strange yeah. setting. Yeah, it's an interesting premise. I'll give it that. Um, I think it it would be. It has the potential to to be okay. Um, you know, we know that the twins thing can can sometimes be hit or miss. You know, twisted pair, uh, for example. <laughs> it's. Mm-hmm. Is an example of how not to do the genre, as is Gemini Man. <laughs> Wasn't there something really similar to this with Paul Rudd? So there's a movie, one of my favorite movies ever. Do you're thinking of Multiplicity, Jake? Maybe. Maybe. Well, there's so this kind of it's not really similar, but there's a movie with Sam Rockwell. It's called Moon, and the premise of Moon is that an astronaut um, like keeps getting cloned over for this mission and there's a bunch of clones and they they all get sent out to meet their death because they don't live super long because of the cloning process and then um, Sam Rockwell one of the clones survives and meets his successor and they try to figure out what the hell's going on and it's a really good movie um, Sam Rockwell's a really good actor and he carries the whole movie by himself pretty much. Um, and I recommend it to anyone. Um, Sam Rockwell clone movie. It's called Moon. It came out in movie. 2009. Oh, that's what Moon was about. I always saw the trailer. I'm like, this looks like I shouldn't spoil myself on it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't give away any. I mean, I guess it's a minor spoiler, but it is kind of the conceit of the movie. Okay, there's a Netflix. I think it's a show. Um, Netflix show called Living with Yourself, uh, and it's got Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd in it, and it's about Paul Rudd, Rudd brothers, um, who kind of like is not happy with his life, and I think he's depressed. 
and he goes to this relaxation facility like it's recommended to him and they're like yeah we'll put you in this you know chamber whatever and you'll get you'll get all your depression magically disappeared all right cool he did it and something went wrong with the procedure and he woke up like half buried in the woods and he's like what the fuck is happening and then he came back and he found him like a clone of himself living with his uh, wife. So there's a lot of hijinks that happen with, with him finding out that he's, they tried to kill him and replace him with a clone that was happier. That uh, was like a perfect copy, except just happier. A perfect copy. It's a perfect copy. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so then he like works idea. with himself, works with, works with his clone to like live his life. And he's trying to live like two lives or something. When you were saying, like, goes to this fucking wellness clinic, I just thought of, because I watched it the other day, the fucking music video for Show You the Way by Thundercat, where the armless guy goes mm. to the depression clinic and just has the depression just slapped out of him. <laughs> and then Kenny Loggins sings a sweet verse. <laughs> and makes some creepy faces. <laughs> it's like, Kenny, what are you doing? <laughs> I I know your eyes are right there. You don't have to point at him, Kenny. There was uh there's All one right. other trailer of Top Gun Maverick, but I really could care less about it. <laughs> I forgot that that movie hadn't come out. I yet. know, right? <laughs> that movie was supposed to come out two years ago. This is your reminder. <laughs> New trailer. Friendly reminder that Tom Cruise exists as a person, and he's got a new movie coming out. That's a sequel to an old movie. That's like forty years old. Never been point. done before. All right. All right, now we move on to the follow-up, and uh, we take a look at the weekend box office for Weekend 12, which comprises March 25th through the 27th, year of our Lord 2022. We have a new number one, folks. The Lost City, the uh, adventure romantic comedy starring uh, Channing Tatum and... uh, think Sandra Bullock? No, not Sandra Bullock. The other one. Wait. Yeah, I thought it was Sandra Bullock. Right? Oh, is it Sandra yeah. Bullock? Okay. Yeah. Yep. I was I was right. Uh, <laughs> the Lost City um, made 39 or 30 million dollars in its opening weekend in 4,000 theaters, enough to depose the Batman, which only brought in 20.4 million dollars in its fourth week. That's made $679 million worldwide, so that's a pretty nice take for the Batman. Uh, Lost City has only made $43 million worldwide. Pretty much all on the box, back of the domestic box office. Not much international play here. And that, the $3.7 is probably just Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and in third, <laughs> we advertised it. Yep. And as advertised, we have... Triple R, baby. Nine and a theaters. Only 1,200 theaters. Worldwide. It's because, I mean, we're next to, since we're next to Regal Crossgates, which often shows um, Indian films, uh, when those go, like those, it's dense, let's just say. Yeah. I guess the surprise here is I I don't think box office mojo. I don't know how cinema works in India, to be perfectly frank. But I don't think box office mojo, like, is piped into their data collection API. 
because yeah. everyone in IMDb, at least, I mean, I read the 10-star reviews, so maybe this skews my, my opinion of the movie slightly, but everyone's saying certified blockbuster when Box Office Mojo is only telling me it made $1.5 million internationally. That just can't be. Yeah, it's got like a nine. You said it had like a nine something on IMDb. It's got a nine point one on IMDb. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. It's it's got a ninety four percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, seventy nine percent reviewer score, which isn't even that bad. Like, I maybe I'll just Google Indian box office. Mm-hmm. Box office. See, see if we can get to the bottom of this here. Because it does seem a little uh, low for 11, 11 million and being so popular. We have a ton of reviews. Yeah, so this is from the Indian Express. RR Box Office Collection Day 9. Uh, director's film remains unstoppable. The cross RS150 Karore today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is in real people money. <laughs> we 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 died last week trying to find that out. Um, USD. <laughs> that is nineteen point seven million dollars, which is, I I guess okay. I would have thought that movies in India made more money, but I guess a lot of people in India probably don't live close to a movie theater. Like, they're heavily mm-hmm. populated, but I don't know how much, like, disposable income and stuff they have. But that's definitely more than what is being shown on Box Office Mojo. So the real box office is probably closer to $40 million. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that movie we talked about, like, last year, a couple weeks ago, that was, like, that was a big picture production. That was like thirty million, I think. Yeah. Interesting. So. But anyway, we we've 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 told you about what they think on Rotten Tomatoes, what they think on other review outlets. But we are men of the people, if nothing else, and we mm-hmm. need to hear from the voices of the people. And as we all know, they live in the purest spot where they are not hindered by any censorship or ethics or grammatical standards, the IMDb user reviews section. Um, it's truly the Garden of Eden. It's spoiled <laughs> in its review glory. They have not been sullied by the world. Except for the spoilers. Don't click on the spoilers. Don't click on the spoilers. You will be spoiled. Uh, Sanu Samrat. I, I I gotta think there's another way to pronounce that last name. Uh, has this movie out of ten out of ten? A masterpiece. Submitted March twenty six. Hashtag RRR movie. As a North Indian, I can say Bollywood has become gutterwood, where you can see crap movies like Rathi, which is the movie we talked about the other week. Bakan, <laughs> Pandi. Gangubai. I can't even pronounce that. What's G E H R A Y I A A N? Girayan. Send it over. <laughs> and a movie, and a few hit movies that are too 
that are a remake. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, Tenguli Cinema <laughs> achieved huge milestones under legendary director S.S. Rajamuli. First, Bahubai, and now RRR, glorifying Santana culture. <laughs> First, the Cashmere fi- <laughs> Files break hope of Bollywood, and now RRR's presence is mesmerizing the audiences. Hashtag Cashmere Files. Hashtag RR Takeover. Hashtag Must Watch. Hashtag Finest Cinema. What the f- what people are? They're fucking hot on Cashmere Files. Tweeting. This is like two weeks in a row. Where, I think this like, is on different movies where they're like, yeah, I, th- the I think files, this. Guys, I think this files. dude like hooked into his uh, API Twitter? on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this, hey? this feels like a Twitter review. Maybe he's got a, a Twitter bot that automatically uploads this shit to IMDb or something. Um, well, Nimitz five four one says otherwise. He thinks this is a one out of ten, and his review of RRR is titled RRR RRR. Okay, <laughs> six six of them, in fact. Um, he goes on to say RRR R. Is what I said after watching this movie. <laughs> I think it was more of a growl of dissatisfi- dissatisfaction more than anything. Bad cast. Pretty good costume, though. All in all, it was a movie that just was a movie. And that was about it. Dot, dot. Something to watch, but nothing that great. 7 out of 34 found that helpful. <laughs> One. That's your one out That's of ten. That's the one. They're, they were all really short. One out of ten. So that nobody, nobody wrote an essay uh, about. That's why about not liking this. The Indian people have not mastered hate in the same way the Americans no. have. <laughs> um, from Sora BH seven six hundred, um, their six out of ten review. Great boast, small roast. Which. I'm putting that into the lexicon. I need to keep that. I need to keep that in my vocabulary. Um, I was super excited about the movie, and I wanted to watch this, so I skipped watching other movies. That's. I think that's how that works. <laughs> uh, to be honest, the movie was not worth it. Uh, it is one-time watch in theater. Some of the scenes are really good, and a few might give you goosebumps, but even those goosebumps aren't enough. I don't know how people can rate this 9 or even 10 out of 10. Uh, it may be ju- because of just being a hardcore fan, but this is no way near the best direction of SS Rajamuli. Uh, Bahubali remains his best direction till date. Uh, Triple R is far behind it. He might have to wait a few more years to deliver a gem better than Bahubali. Uh, the acting of Ram Charan and NTR is really good, and there's nothing much they could have done with such a poor story and script. Highly disappointed in this movie. 9 out of 19. Bigly mad. Which... So, I, I think, Jake, we need to, like, switch our reviews. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that really... This one... Far more scathing. I'll find, I'll find one that really it. digs into it. But it really doesn't matter because you're both wrong as Manchu Prasath so eloquently puts it. This is the pride of Indian cinema. 10 out of 10. It's Rajamuli, Ramcharan, and JRNTR show. 
exclamation mark. Spellbound to describe Rajamuli's craft. Truly a masterpiece, exclamation mark. Ram Charan and JRNTR deserve all the respect for their acting. The movie is power-packed with action, visuals, and emotions. There will be visuals in this movie. Don't go by logics. It's just magic on screen. <laughs> Cinematography and choreography also steals the show. Overall, don't miss it on big screens. You will regret if you do. Your three hours <laughs> will definitely be worth it. Exclamation mark. Zero one found that helpful. This movie's three hours long. <laughs> Oh Three hours God. and seven minutes. Picture. We might have to watch it. When you go to a picture, you go to a picture. That is what you're doing that day. Okay. That's why this. That's why Sara said I. I watched this, so I skipped watching other movies. <laughs> There's no time for anything else. Uh, I just. I just, just sucked in. I need to read this. This one sentence from this one review, and then I'll get to my my the one I, I changed to, uh, which goes a little bit digs a little bit deeper into this movie. Um, this guy said, CGI is just as bad as ever, and it makes me chuckle. When I hear the popcorn crowd get impressed and go, Wow, Hollywood level CGI. Uh, <laughs> the popcorn crowd. Uh. The popcorn crowd. Okay, uh, so this is the actual one out of ten. Uh, it is by Anish Varma Official. Uh, and he said, or she mm-hmm. said, whoever it is. Weak story has brought SSR to meet his first flop. Don't know who SSR is, but okay. Probably director, I'm assuming. I think that's that's Rajamuli. Okay. <laughs> now they break this down really well. Positives. NTR. Ram Charan intros and acting. Kumaram Behemudo. Song scene fights. Few VFX shots. Interval Sue scene excluded. A J Devgon plot is the only thing that belongs to what RRR is actually is. British characters, screen presence is good. Okay. Now the negatives. Poor story. Due to this, hard work of the heroes and the emotions and scenes doesn't leave any impact. Music doesn't get into the head. Not to, not to is the first and last song slash music that strays in mind when we remember about RRR, which again is just for hype and not related to the movie. Uh, that was in all in parentheses. <clears throat> Biggest drawback is BGM. Scenes are not interesting, and three hours plus, colon zero. So the face, the O, the O face. Uh, all in parentheses, earliest show, fans also got exhausted. End parentheses. Poor VFX in some scenes and fights. Every few minutes, heroes get their bones cracked. And these are long, long scenes of getting beaten for same old reason. Olivia, Olivia, and she, Sharia, are for guest appearance. British characters had thirty to forty percent of lines in the film. Wow, heroes excelled. Director destroyed it. Movie is only for heroes fans. Yet will have hard time about whether their hero got elevated or other in each scene. As a neutral audience, yes. Ram Charan got good role dialogues, and the character itself is in elevation. It's mentioned as fiction, else there is 
lot of flaws in the characters and is against the real freedom fighters ideology and life. Heroes get healed pretty soon and many more unnatural stuff. Some scenes are illogical, which is common in all SSR movies, but there is no magic in this movie to cover up. 20 out of 46 found that helpful. Ooh, Ooh that was that was a biting last line. Yeah, yeah. Cool. They ran that home. Um, uh, and I will run this home with uh, Ashuro's uh, 5 out of 10 review. Old cheap Bollywood type technique used for the nation of emotional people, apostrophe S. Is Rajamuli know what is a bad differ with good movie? Obviously he know it better. So question is why and how he can make an 80 inch Bollywood types emotional movie. I think it's supposed to be 80s. Uh, because there are two reasons which everyone want in life. One is a fame and another you know better. Yes, money. And you can see fame has came before its release, <laughs> and now the time for the money. This kind of directors are curse for South Indian movie. You can relate him with Karan Johar, because the one already destroyed Bollywood, now he start here in the South, but no problem because his life is set. Nothing else to say, when there are many things to say necessary, but like a simple person like me, our thoughts or reviews are not going to change them, so... 19 out of 44. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a yeah. I, magic. Man, I feel like I've been on a journey. I think some of these um, reviews are better than the movie itself. <laughs> I'm not going to spend three hours and seven minutes finding out. <laughs> like 40,000 ratings and a 9.1 out of 10. It's, it's nuts, man. Oh, and that's what that's, that's why that's, we that's, that's why we keep coming guy. to Bollywood movies. Eighty inch Bollywood types. Eighty <laughs> inch Bollywood types. <laughs> those those damn eighty inchers. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. They're so fucking tall. <laughs> oh. Uncharted. <laughs> six, eight. Yeah, Uncharted is in fourth. Five million dollars, almost even there. Uh, it's brought in a pretty respectable 359 worldwide. Probably we'll see a sequel. Oh, yeah. Jujitsu Kaizen Zero, the movie, falls three spots. The biggest loser at the box office this week, down nearly 70%. Four and a half million dollar weekend gross. Despite opening in 132 more theaters, it's made 147 million worldwide. X. Pretty solid for an anime yeah. movie. Yeah, it's not not in a bad. In its second take. week. Um. Next is X. Yes. Go oh. give it to you. Two point one nine one million dollars down, forty eight point seven percent. Opening in fifty five more theaters, though it's made nine million worldwide. Ooh, yikes! Jeez, I'm sure it probably is profitable because it's an A twenty four horror movie. Yeah, um, there's a lot of yeah, actors in it. I feel like there was a lot of hype around this. I'm surprised it's not doing better. Um. Dog falls two spots into seventh. 
down 46%, $2.139 million. Good enough. Been in theaters for six weeks? Yeah, it's been what? out there for a while. Made $71 million. Yeah, so this came out like Valentine's Day. Remember, it was all, it was the joke was mm-hmm. the love, love, it was sorry. The dog, yeah. yeah. And mm. still in the top 10 in its 15th week, Spider Man No Way Home in 2000 theaters brought in $2 million. Down Man. 36.3% from the week. Spider's prior. got legs. What can they say? Yep. Um, I don't think it's going to quite get to $1.9 billion. Is that $1.889 right now? Yeah, fuck. What so, did Endgame do? Mm-hmm. Endgame was like $2.7 billion. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, two, two like point, almost $2.8. Like right under $2.8 billion. Hmm. Sing 2 is in ninth up a spot from last week somehow oh it's in seven oh because of the sing to sing-along version that they're rolling out yeah. to try oh. to keep interest in the movie so i that's right go to a theater with 30 other people and everyone gets to sing along all the kids and and hopefully the right one key. theater hopefully. hey i uh, just wanted like this the spider-man no way home um that made more than civil war yeah, that's not. Surprising. I'm I'm trying to see like which which one was like because there's more Spider-Man. <laughs> is what about Winter Soldier? That was a popular one too. That didn't have as no, much Spider-Man. No, no, no. Won't make as much money. Yeah. Fuck. People really come it, over it, Spider-Man. It, it's made it's made more money than I think every Avengers except the last two. <gasps> It's it's knocking on Infinity War's door. I mean, uh, two billion was uh, Infinity War. Yeah, it's not gonna get there though. Uh yeah, it's I mean, it's uh, yeah, close. No, it's it's a very impressive. Movie. That's that's crazy. <laughs> that's it's kind of especially well, I mean, it for make sense, the pandemic. But... I wonder, you know, you, you gotta wonder maybe if it had released in a better time because like Omicron was starting to take off when it came out. Yeah. You gotta wonder if maybe it would have crossed that two billion threshold, um, but I don't think anyone's complaining about the money it's made. Yeah, but but also, think- well, also maybe that's why it also has legs. Maybe the the mass of people that would have gone to see it, we would have seen it hit like uh, like this number maybe a couple of weeks ago or something like that. But they, they probably still would have gone to see it like later on. I mean, hell, I Christian still went to say. go see it like five six weeks in. So yeah. there, there were still people seeing it for the first time. Lay it on. Uh, Sing to once again one point three million dollars down only five percent week over week, and rounding out the top ten in its opening week, Infinite Storm. What's a title like that? How, how could that only make one point one million? Well, it only made seven hundred fifty-eight thousand weekend. Uh, in 1500 theaters infinite storm of course the story of when a climber gets caught in a blizzard she encounters a stranded stranger and must get them both down the mountain for nightfall I, I i remember this one i really hope i remember talking about this one yeah i thought we were gonna make i thought we were gonna go the magic route <laughs> the the harrowing story of a player who cast one too many manamorphos. <laughs> 
Let's see. Did the you can never cast too many metamorphoses. <laughs> did the as our heroine leaves her past in flames? Did the Oscar she effect have any uh, effect on any movies? Um, yeah, I know. I know they're re- they're re-releasing. King Kodak Richard Kodak. went up thirty-one percent. Yeah, Dune went up eight point two percent. West Side Story point eight percent. Drive my car. Was that a Oscar? I don't know, but it went up by nine percent. Did go up? Yeah. Um. Yeah, big big boost for King Richard. The Automat went up thirty eight point three percent. That's a huge boost. Um, Licorice Pizza in Belfast uh, did not go up, but I think they had a a drop in decline. Um, Writing with fire <laughs> is up seventy four point four percent. To a whopping two thousand dollars. <laughs> is this another Bollywood movie? Not Bollywood, maybe, but um, Indian movie. Writing with fire. In a cluttered news landscape dominated by men emerges India's only newspaper run by delete women. <laughs> delete women or the elite the elite women? Dalit. Chief reporter Mira and her journalists break traditions, redefining what it means to be powerful. Wow. India's getting woke now? I can't wait to review that. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that. how progressive their culture is. So I actually <laughs> yeah. am interested to see the one star reviews <laughs> on IMDb for this. I'm scared. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's. That's the box office for this week. So let's move on to gaming news, where we have a variety of stories here. Uh, Leading off, Wordle, the game sensation that's sweeping the nation that I've never played, (laughs) um, has been sold to the New York Times. Uh, The Wordle creator, um, Josh Wardle... (laughs) W eight R T L E. Wait, what? His name is Wardle. Oh no! Yeah, that's probably probably why the app's called Wordle. I just thought it was like it's a word. Um, he recently gave a talk at the Game Developers Conference as part of what he discussed the game's wild success and why he felt in the end he had to sell it to the New York Times. New York Times acquired Wordle in January for an undisclosed seven-figure sum, and the gray lady now says over 300,000 people play the game daily. My dad is one of them. Earlier days of its phenomenal success, it was creating problems for... Wordle was creating problems for Wardle. (laughs) Prime among them was the gold rush as Wordle became more popular, more clones appeared. We've reported on some of the funny and clever variants of Wordle. Uh, this is the PC Gamer article talking right now, which stand we have not reported on any of that. Um, and straight up riff-offs while pretending to be the real thing and trying to make money off of it. This was mainly a problem on mobile and while Apple and Android were responsive in removing these things, it did look a little like whack-a-mole. So... Yeah, as you get big, you have the copycats, you have the pressures of, of maintaining something big, and, you know, you want to get out of, out of the management of that. You might make a little less money in the long run if you stayed out, but you can't put a price on your mental health. So no one to walk away. Like Kenny Rogers once said, no one to walk away. No one to run. No one to run. 
Um, Activision Blizzard has settled one of their several outstanding oh sexual harassment lawsuits for $18 million. Um, Don't worry, Blizzard. Just uh, your part. You just need to get a guild, and you can get that quest done. That. So a U.S. judge has... Of course, a, the, pay, the crest reward is negative money, <laughs> but... As a judge, but you get increased reputation with the faction. Um, a judge has approved Activision Blizzard's $18 million settlement with equal, equal Employment Opportunity Commission wrapping up one of the many discrimination lawsuits brought against the company. The lawsuit had outlined details of sexual harassment. Sex discrimination relating to its handling of pregnancy and retaliation against female employees. The settlement was originally agreed upon in September of 2021, but was put on hold after objections from the Department for Employing and Housing the following month. Oh, geez. Our legal system. Perfect. Perfect on all levels. Balanced. That's all things should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. So, uh, one. Uh, this is like slightly gaming news, not really like super gaming news, but uh, it did show up on PC Gamer, so I'm counting it. <laughs> uh, a Meta hired a GOP firm to talk up the threat of TikTok to American teens. I so the company. This. I, I view TikTok <laughs> as a threat to American teens as well. <laughs> so uh, the company uh, so uh, dead set on on battling misinformation is willing to hire a firm to create misinformation about competitors uh, because they view them as such a threat. Jake, basically. that's just business. Yeah, just business, baby. It's just not business. Dif- it's not disinformation. If it's lodged at a direct competitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um, advertising, baby. That's uh, however, um, a couple Get Tom Draper in a here. couple so they they basically hired this firm to write a bunch of like bullshit articles um about like uh dangerous trends that start on TikTok. However, if you dig a little bit deeper into them, like the famous uh slap a teacher trend that was on on TikTok, which I don't remember that. I never ever heard about that. I'm on I live on TikTok. I would have seen this shit. Apparently, that was something that actually started on Facebook, uh, of all places. Uh, and they're, I don't they're understand more why they had to hire a company to smear TikTok. It's so easy. Like the, all yeah. these stupid trends that have been on TikTok, like most dangerous lick or whatever. That was also started, licks. also started on Facebook. Uh, POV Holocaust victims trend. That was that was. I mean, one. there's a lot of insensitive shit that like starts on there for sure. But like a lot of these dangerous ones, like that was another one. The devious lick, that wasn't started on on TikTok. That started on Facebook, What's and then this? got popular on TikTok. It did. But it, like, also was joked about a lot on TikTok. Like, people weren't actually stealing shit on TikTok. Uh, but again, like, videos were probably ripped so off of Facebook and put on TikTok. according to a few different sources that pop up when I Google devious lick trends start, they credit it to user Jug for Elias starting the devious lick trend on TikTok. Now, well, that might be the start on TikTok and not the start of yeah. the trend. But uh, I have not seen anything. Uh, granted, this is not exhaustive research. This is just me skimming. Yeah, but this, <laughs> I mean, this article, article does state, and I think um, 
uh, it was well, it was also covered on CNN, but this was saying that the, another was the Devious Licks Challenge, which was also allegedly started on Facebook and was covered by Major News. Uh, but that, I think... But I, I, will, could, I could see, you know, there being a yeah. small campaign back and forth between the two. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, I guess the uh, there, there's just some blatant, like... Uh, I guess the history of this uh, GOP firm or whatever that they hired has not had a good track record and it's just like uh like the best this yeah this story actually got picked up by the irish examiner (laughs) oh of all publications uh facebook owner reportedly paid u.s republican consulting firm to turn public against tiktok let them fight. <laughs> well, I, feel, I mean, I'm, I'm Ken Watanabe and Godzilla versus Kong. Let them fight. <laughs> well, it is interesting because I'm like, I'm seeing the development of TikTok. It's like they've gone, they they started at just the TikToks, the 60 second videos or whatever, um, which now YouTube has, Instagram has that, Facebook has it. Like they all have these like short brief content things that you can like just scroll through in tiktok fashion i guess um and then now tiktok is like saying okay now you can make three minute videos and then who's next to say that they can't make five minute videos or something like that and make them longer and longer um they just implemented a story feature which i guess is different from their normal tiktoks but it's like a so now they're copying instagram's like story and Facebook's uh, a story feed thing, and well, it's like they're all from they're right, creeping right. up closer and closer on being like uh, on just like all copying each other and I guess competing with each other. And it's like, damn, TikTok is has a lot of reach. Yeah, and well, it's of course the social media companies are all competing with each other, and they're going to take the features that make the other ones popular and try to integrate them into yeah. their platform. When, when everyone's leaking everyone else's data, <laughs> those are all the guys that use them. We're going <coughs> to see, but the key here is it's all going to just assimilate into the Ur media. Yeah, there's going to be one the Uber media at the end of this, at the end of the ultimate showdown. Here, there will be one social media platform. <laughs> It's like I, I always contribute like to like the design of uh, smartphones. It's like in the beginning there was like notable differences, and now you have like literally the new iPhone is slated to look almost identical to at least the front is going to look exactly like the Galaxy phones, where there's just a little cutout, and even those are basically copying like OnePlus and and other uh, like different smartphone companies that just can make a notch in the glass and. Okay, now you got five cameras on the back. That's standard now, I guess. It's like it's like blades on your razor. It's like it's like they, they're all the same except like a little bit of differences in the operating systems. It's like now Apple has widgets, Android has that, and then Android gets the the different features that maybe Apple had with like the camera shit. It's just like it's all gonna be the same fucking phone. <laughs> they're even priced the same. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why foldables are becoming popular, or because they've kind of like consolidated all the design space they can on yeah. the slab phone, and everyone's like, "Well, it doesn't seem like there's a big reason to upgrade for an incremental increase in processing power, especially if you don't like play games on your phone." Yeah. So people aren't upgrading unless like security updates stop, which is why most Android 
phone manufacturers only give you three years of security updates. Um, and uh, now, like, the real space where innovation and development's happening is in the foldable space, where you yeah, have the clamshells yeah. and the, the thing. Z Fold and whatever. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm waiting for... They're I know just stupid expense. If the price comes down, <sighs> yeah. Like if they come down to like eight hundred dollars, mm-hmm. I could see myself jumping in on the fold. Z the Z Flip was actually kind of reasonable. I think the the old one when they came out with the next one, I think the the first one dropped down, and I think that was like reasonable, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong. I'm, um, I am waiting for Apple to come out with theirs because I know when they come out with theirs, the one thing that I will say about Apple is when they come out with something, it's usually pretty solid. Whereas like the, the first iteration of the Z Fold was kind of a mess. Yeah. And now it's I, a little better. I think they're dropping the Z from the, uh, oh, the are branding they? because of something with Russia. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Rush. I enjoyed the Z flip. <laughs> I don't. That's I don't, funny. I don't remember exactly what the circumstances well, were. I wouldn't be surprised. The invading Russian forces used the Z insignia to differentiate themselves yeah. from the Ukrainians. Yeah. There you go. That's why. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> Windows 11 is adding lovely but useless UI animations. Um, so when you go into your control panel or whatnot, there will be little little animations on on some of your widgets there. Um, it means nothing to literally anyone, but uh, it's there now. So definitely going to make you want to upgrade to Windows 11. And this week, NVIDIA unleashed its new top-end graphics card for the cool price of... 2000 US dollars, you can get your hands on the RTX 3090 Ti, a graphics card that by itself can sometimes pull upward of 400 watts. Um, Jeez, which beats. years ago was enough to power an entire system. <laughs> uh, it performs roughly 8% better than the 3090, which means it's roughly. 16% better than the 3080 that costs less than half as much. Um, there's no value proposition here. Um, it is basically a 3090 with slightly more CUDA cores that are clocked slightly higher. Uh, but everything else, like memory amounts, memory bandwidth, all that stuff is exactly the same. Um, yeah, it's it's don't buy it. <laughs> That's my recommendation. I need it. I need it. Um, uh, speaking of GPUs, Intel. Who 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 let Intel back into the GPU game? Well, they've been working on that shit for. They they poached the uh, the guy who came up with the Polaris architecture when he was at Int- AMD. Yeah, Intel has finally revealed what its discrete Arc graphics card will look like. During its announcement of the mobile Arc laptop GPUs, Intel confirmed that a limited edition Intel Arc GPU will be coming this summer. That that's going to be big if they can have supply and be fairly competitive. I don't think they're going to be competing at the top end, but yeah. if they can have like a competitive mid-range or even budget offerings, that's going to be really big for the the space. That's having more competition is never a bad thing. It's going to force companies to make better products 
and price them more competitively. Yeah. Where you won't see like this is why Nvidia can get away with a two thousand dollar graphics mm-hmm. card because they're not being pushed on the top end. Like the sixty nine hundred <coughs> XT, um, is not in the same class as the thirty ninety. Um, in a lot of ways, it makes more sense than a thirty ninety. Um, but it competes more with the 3080, and that's yeah. why the pricing is is more competitive well, down. And it seems like the the market that they're going to release this to the exact specifications for Intel's discrete arc GPUs have not been released, but it appears as though it's aiming for mid to high end performance from early rumors, perhaps up to RTX 3070 Ti or RX 6700 XT grade. So I mean that's that would be that's big. a very popular market for that like you know you don't have the money to get to like the 3090s but you know that generally is is like where a lot of the that's demand where most is for people buy like the yeah, 70 I mean, series cards are usually well actually mm-hmm. the 60 series cards are usually the most popular mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that 60 70 series performance threshold uh, that Nvidia typically sets is uh, is pretty well sought after so if they can yeah. if they can deliver on that that'll be big for the the whole industry just like Coming it'll from be somebody who has big, a 2070 sorry <laughs> just like it'll be big for the whole industry when we uh when we finally get around to talking about the movie this week <laughs> that's right folks yeah a plus transition to coda which stands for child of deaf adults not to be confused with the other movie from two years ago starring Sir Patrick Stewart called Coda. Different movie entirely. Of course. Um, that would be... This, I guess the I shouldn't be so glib. I'd be like, oh, if only that's what the movie was about. Like, yes, it is, it is in fact about that. But more, it's, it's, uh, it's about a rom-com plot. With a with a nice sprinkling of, uh, I wouldn't call this uh, a rom com. Unique setting. Necessarily, I think this is a. Uh, it, this makes a lot of sense why this won the Academy Award for a number of reasons. The Academy mm-hmm. loves stories about people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Academy uh, very in vogue uh, category is the young girl coming of age movie that's very popular with the Academy right now. Uh, they love. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies about music. So you had all three of those elements in here. The perfect story. It follows a pretty, a pretty tried and true yeah. story beat structure. Yeah. So like, uh, this movie w- is very pretty. If you've watched any of these kind of like Oscar Beatty uh, coming of age movies, you will know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. Like you can. You will not be surprised at all by any of the story beats. No. Um, everything works out exactly the way you think it will, um, including like the uh, the dramatic low point. Like you know, you see it coming a mile away. Yeah. Um, yeah. It 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 doesn't have too many low points. It's it's largely an upbeat movie in spirit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a good movie. I think you know it's it's well put together uh, overall. I don't think it's the best movie. I would say it's got solid fundamentals. I, 
my my wording when I was when I was talking to Kristen after the movie was it's a very efficient movie because I I think we were discussing afterwards like basically the question is like did this deserve uh like best picture um and it's like it's hard it's hard to compare because they're in two different categories like a big budget action movie like Dune or like Spider Man No Way Home that you know killed the box office uh but had a bunch of money to throw at problems had a bunch of money to throw at like vfx and cgi and all that jazz um and big actors or whatever but like for what this movie did with the money that it had and the direction that it took it was a very efficient movie that told the story very well uh and it was very effective in that storytelling uh, which you know, I can't say the same for maybe maybe Dune or even Spider Man, where it's like, yeah, it had those like plot points, but some felt rushed, some felt like it dragged. It's like I constantly felt like I was going through this movie without dragging on certain beats. Um, and a good example I I like I brought up was like the bullies that we see in the beginning and at one other point. It's like. We didn't have four or five scenes with the bullies, you know, digging on Ruby to nail that point home that she's a kid who was bullied. Uh, you know, it was that one establishing shot that served the purpose of like telling that she's bullied. And then it was another one towards the middle to talk about her, you know, the betrayal that she felt with Miles. So that's all they needed. That's all so, they needed. Um, You know. A movie like Spider-Man is never going to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. It just isn't. No. Um, whether or not you think that's fair is another discussion entirely. Uh, of the, I'm looking at the nominees right now. So you had Coda, you had Dune, West Side Story, Drive My Car, Belfast, which I have gotten around to seeing, uh, King Richard, Nightmare Alley, which I have also seen, Licorice Pizza, Don't Look Up, we've seen that, and Power of Dog. I would say it's better than any of the ones I've seen so far, but Mm -hmm. notably absent from this list, and what I still maintain was the best movie of 2021 that I saw is Pig. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and it's they're not easy to compare movies. They're, I mean, from the from the standpoint that they're both small budget dramas from uh, unknown directors or relatively unknown directors. They're comparable. I think what sets Pig apart in my mind is that while this movie is well acted, and I don't know if the the people playing the the deaf characters were the actually deaf. Is is a deaf actor. Okay. Um the other two I I looked up the cast and they're all pretty uh well-known actors. I I just don't remember them off the top of my head. Um Code cast. We got um, fucking Tony uh, Tony Kutzer as the dad. Um, you know uh, Eugenio uh, Derbez as the as the music teacher. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Um, and Amelia, jo- I think Amelia Jones. This is her first um, big big picture. Um, fuck, what was Troy Kutzer in? Um, t- so I think the dad and the brother might. Oh no! Oh, he was deaf. Okay, I. You know what? I got him confused with like Ben Kingsley. That's what it was. I was like, I've seen him around. 
Um, he was in like the number 23 um, Universal signs. So, but some deaf features and some television stuff. Yeah. Um, so, like, the fact that they're deaf, um, it kind of plays into my evaluation here. Like, the movie's pretty well acted overall, but there isn't, like, a standout performance. I don't feel. Um, you know, the, the lead actress was pretty good, but there's not a performance that, like, carries the movie the way that Nicolas Cage did in Pig. And mm-hmm. to me, that's that's a big component in where I where I find a quality of the movie. In terms of cinematography, they're both pretty similar. They're both well shot. They both make good use of their settings. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of story, yeah, I'd say Coda probably is a little bit more relatable a story to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, I on the the converse of that is that, you know, Pig gets to tell... The, it tells a little bit more of an ambitious story. Yes. Um, and it, it's a little bit more creative in its execution, I would say. I, I would agree with that, too. And I think I, the theming of Pig... Uh, this is a personal point. I relate more to the themes of Pig than I do to the themes of Coda. I I think that Pig might be better suited in the nominees, maybe for Best Actor... Um, like for what you said about like, you know the um, uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. The man, Nick the Cage. Nick Cage, yeah, duh. Um, where it, his his role is is carrying the, the movie show for that. I know. <laughs> um, or his role is really carrying the movie. Um, but may not, you know, uh. Make put that put the movie over the top. I, I think it probably should have been nominated, definitely. Um, and I'll let a lot of other people uh kind of say the same. And I, honestly, the best picture nominees are not that like great. Like, I don't, this was not a great year for movies, like, there no, weren't a it, lot of high quality movies that came out, which is why I'm surprised that, like, I I have a problem with the fact that Pig, I need every voting member of the academy. To sit across the table from me, look me in the eye, and with a straight face, tell me that pig is worse than don't look up. Yeah, and and like like don't like yeah. don't look up is, is crazy to think that that was um was a good was a good enough movie to, to even be nominated for best picture. And and same with like Licorice Pizza, the amount of like negativity that that movie received over the sheer. Over the inescapable fact that this had a kind of icky plot about a yeah. over overage uh, or uh, of age girl, a statutory a, romance, yeah, statutory romance, uh, and, and like there was a lot of just stuff where like if the genders were reversed, we would be talking about this movie in a very different light, well, and maybe, that's what I think people are trying know, to get at. I don't know if. I can't speak. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza. It's a Paul Thomas. It's like Cutie's getting a Teen Choice it's, Award. It is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and he's you know very well regarded. He directed There Will Be Blood. He directed Magnolia. He directed Boogie Nights. So he's got a history with the Academy. So that probably oh, oh. puts it up there. And maybe he was trying to make a statement: Hey, women can be creeps too. <laughs> Uh, but I don't. I don't know if that's how it was received. Yeah, though. I don't know. I, like, I, I'll have to watch Licorice Pizza to know. <laughs> Just from what we 
heard from a lot of the reviews. But uh, I mean, Nightmare Alley. I I also heard it was, was like good, but it's it, not. It heard like, it was good, but it's not like amazing. No, uh, it wasn't uh, amazing. And I've heard that the original Nightmare Alley was better. I've never seen hmm. it, so I can't comment on that. It was good. It's 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 a good Guillermo del Toro adaptation of that sort of thing. So, and. And Dune, Dune kind of suffers from what I was talking about earlier, where like a lot of the things that make Dune good are resulting from the budget that it has. They were able to throw money at CGI and money at a big score and and all this. And that's what made this a fucking event to go see in the theaters. Whereas like if I went to go see Coda in IMDb, or IMDb <laughs> in IMAX. If I were to go see Coda in IMAX, uh, it that wouldn't have made a difference because it doesn't need it. Yeah, um, Coda's an interesting movie from a cinematography standpoint, where it's shot in sixteen by nine instead of the more conventional two by thirty-five by one widescreen. So when you're watching it on your standard television, you know it fills the whole picture, which is nice. You don't have the black bars. Or at least maybe the version I watched was like that. I don't know if the Apple TV version was. I think it, I think it was. Yeah, um, that's fine. So like then that's that's a a factor where you have to consider the genesis of the movie. Like it was made yeah. for streaming, so people aren't going to necessarily want the black bars. Yeah. So they they made it in. <laughs> it feels weird to call it a full screen movie because it isn't you know what we would have considered widescreen. 15 years ago but mm-hmm. uh that's the full screen yeah, now, full screen yeah. now. <laughs> um you mentioned streaming and i think we this is kind of a good segue to talk about the things that happen in the movie itself um that's interesting to me that it was it was originally a streaming movie um because though it's a it's a solid it's got solid fundamentals as a movie i feel like it was its strongest point was like the last act, like the last thirty minutes, and not just in a way where everything was reaching like a climax. Um, it felt to me like the more than more than normal. The first two acts of the movie were a setup for what was going on in the final act. I know that's that's <laughs> a, stu- a stupid way to phrase it, um, but you know, in a in mo- in in a good movie, right? You should have kind of iconic moments, you know, memorable things uh, going on throughout, right? You always want something that'll catch your attention. Um, And I felt like the majority of those were in the last act of the movie. Um, And I guess, are we cool just going right into spoilers about this? Uh, Yeah, I think I'll just briefly say this is definitely a movie worth watching. I don't want anyone to mistake uh, the criticisms that we've levied against it to mean that it is not a very good movie because it is a very good movie. It deserved to be nominated. I don't know that it deserved necessarily to win. I think maybe over the other nominees it did, uh, but it it is a fantastic movie, and I think you should, should go see it. Yeah, my my final thoughts are are from from somebody uh, from what I heard from a another ASL uh, uh, teacher. They really enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought it was really well done. I think it's a very efficient movie. Um, I the one thing that I think they did really well was they it was a different type of like storytelling, including ASL in it, which we'll talk about more in our review, or I'll talk about more in my review. Um, 
which had some really powerful moments for me. Um, and I, I, I think it deserved, I think it deserved best picture. Uh, I think it just kind of came out of left field for a lot of people where like a lot of people might've thought, you know, pig or dune or even like power, the power of the dog was like another one that people really, really enjoyed, but I haven't seen that. So I can't say much about it. Uh, and also like Belfast also felt like another like artistic choice that a lot of people thought was like a shoe in for, for best picture. Um, but over some of these other ones, like Don't Look Up and King Richard and, and even like Nightmare Alley, even West Side Story. Like West Side Story is fine, but like it's a story that's been told already. Like I don't know if that deserves best picture. Like yeah. that's more I think like that's talk about the music. Speaks, yeah, that speaks more to how thin a year this was of yeah. quality releases than anything else. Um which again, like you you really didn't think Pig was one of the ten best movies made. I, mean, oh, I understand it's Nicolas Cage. And some of the things he's done more recently kind of make it a little hard to take him seriously. It's the same, came out the same year that a movie where he beats the fuck out of possessed animatronics also came out. It's in a weird <laughs> year for Nick Cage, for sure. But you gotta admit, you gotta tip, give credit where it's due. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's putting it, he's giving it at all. Um, yeah, I my, my main thoughts on this are, uh, particularly if you are a young adult or a, gen, or a Gen Z uh, person into film as a film enthusiast, I think this sits right in a nice Venn diagram, where it's a good, it's a coming of age movie. Um, so you'll hopefully relate to that. It's got social issues, which a lot of socially conscious Gen Z folks will also enjoy, and it's a well put together film, which film enthusiasts should uh, enjoy, should celebrate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of those really good moments were in that last half an hour movie. I remember uh, kind of just going through the first couple acts and be like, okay, this is this is all right. And then there's the scene, like, a couple scenes stood out to me. One was during the, the working backwards, the final concert, where um, the dad is looking around and yes. the music cuts out for him. So all you see, it's it's no music, but he can see her effect. Yeah, on everyone, and that took him. a little different turn than I thought it might. I wasn't exactly sure what they were going to try to show with that. I thought they were going to show how it was how difficult it was for the parents to be like so disconnected from from her her passion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that could have easily could have like, easily gone movie. that gone way into yeah. like another low point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they chose to be uplifting with it, which um, I I wouldn't necessarily say that surprised me. But it wasn't the direction I was expecting that scene to go. I I think that was the right. I I think that choice was. Oh, was it was the, the right, right call. Yeah, I so. yeah. I I'm just thinking about like how how many times I felt like kind of sad throughout this movie, and I'm like, damn, when is when is it going to turn around? Like I want I want there to be a, I wanted there to be a happy ending, and and the 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 low point after low point after low point, I was like, fuck, dude, like, well, who's going to win was, in this? It was kind of peaks and valleys a lot of drama to me. I think there there yeah. were a lot of times, so the, the fishing business is kind of like on the downswing the whole time, but her personal life is kind of on the upswing the whole time. Yeah. Um, save where they kind of intersect in the middle. Um, but it is kind of, it, I felt it wasn't like down, 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 big lift. It was more as like peaks and valleys. Um, and it doesn't, it's not a terribly long movie. It's about an hour 45 before the credits yeah. kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. 
and you're not too overwhelmed because there's not too many peaks and too many valleys, I think it strikes a very good balance in terms of having the lows for the drama, but not making you just feel sad watching it. Um, yeah. I mean, there are there are times where it will tug on your heartstrings, and you'll be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> this is one of the characters. I, like, why would like when she's having the conversation with her mother, and she's yes. like, "When I found you weren't deaf, my heart sank." I'm like, "Why the fuck would you say that to someone?" Yeah, there were. That's a, that made, this made me. That's a real thing. This made me hate the mom so much throughout yeah, like the was, majority was, of the movie. All right, I'm glad you said that because I'm watching this movie. And like, am I supposed to think the mom's a bitch? Because I think the, the first, mom's a bitch. The first interaction we have with the mom, although not the first, but like, like the the one on one, the first interaction between just Ruby and her mom was was Ruby saying, "I." I found my passion or maybe maybe it came off wrong for her and she's just like I, I, I'm like gonna sing like I joined choir uh, and then her mom is like oh wow would you like art if I was blind who the fuck says that yeah like <laughs> that's Jesus really mean Christ <laughs> and, and you know Ruby's reaction is you know perfectly understandable yeah <laughs> fuck, fuck you no i i you well, know i'm not shit ain't always about <laughs> you <laughs> yeah and everything is like oh and this is what i think what i liked the best about this movie was the asl part of it was everything gave weight with the different uh <laughs> hand motions and the, the it has like the signing what they're saying and what they're feeling and it, i guess it gives people a a, a way to see so I thought exactly was... how signing like is kind of almost interpretive and emotional. Yeah. yeah so like being someone who can hear and speak just fine um, for the most part anyway, <laughs> um, like you don't really think about language in that way. Like you think, you know, oh, sign language, obviously each word has a sign for it, but that's not really the case. A lot of it's kind of like charades in a sense. Yeah. Like, well, I'm sure there's a fairly solid linguistic so, structure. There's a voc. So I guess I, I have like secondhand knowledge here. Cause Sam. I was in a previous relationship with a girl who went to a school and studied oh, not the same. ASL stuff, at least basically. So she, I have a, an inkling of what the heck is going on with American deaf folks. Um, and yeah, so there's a, there's a vocabulary and usually they we didn't see it too much. Um, but if there's a word that's not in the, the common lexicon, they'll just spell it out real quick. Right. Um, and we see that a couple times, like when they're doing like, five or six signs like really quick in succession they're just spelling out a word hmm. um yeah. but yeah no like the face is is huge because again you can say the word but there's it's, the, it's the, in the same way that uh forgive me father i have sinned is different from daddy i've been naughty. <laughs> um the same signs don't give the same inflection so they have to put it on the face right. So you, which is great for an actor because mm -hmm. that means that you get to emote and do your entire physical body language. And I language. think that's so. Um, Parasite won Best Picture a couple years ago, and there's there's mm -hmm. a parallel between the two films that I noticed, and and it's that since it's not like a a primary like a large swath of the acting happens 
non-verbally or in the case of Parasite in a language that the American audience doesn't understand when the Academy is an American audience. It forces you to pay closer attention to the the emotiveness of the actors. Hmm. And I was I was I was debating on turning subtitles on because I didn't want that to kind of affect my perception of the performance. Cause I was like, can I understand what is being communicated despite not knowing sign language? Eventually I decided I didn't want to miss out on something, you know, subtle. So I turned them on. There was a on. lot of plot relevant dialogue. Yeah. There, there yeah. was a lot of context that I think was explained via sign language, which maybe, maybe I think helped. I mean, I wonder. I wonder. Yes, I wouldn't have known what was going no, on with I, the plot. <laughs> what? What if? What if all this exposition was spoken rather than signed? Do you think that would have like a an effect on on how this was interpreted? Because when I we're sitting there, kind of basically the in silence, less unique. It, yeah, and, and I'm and I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm like, how much exposition was conveyed of like the fishing boat and what she's had to do and all that, and was ex, uh, conveyed with like the hand hand gestures and the facial expressions, and then even when Ruby would like sometimes speak uh, to her family, mm-hmm. uh, in, as well as signing. It kind of like that felt more for the audience. Made an made an impact more because remember, remember uh, when she was like all these hearing bitches, and then Ruby actually exclaimed and vocally said, "Well, let's not call them hearing yeah, bitches." Maybe if you didn't call like, them hearing bitches, they would be a little more friendly to you. And that was that was I think where where this movie does a good job at pinpointing certain areas and highlighting them kind of well with standout aspects where she spoke that. Which kind of hit the nail on the head. You're like, why did she speak that? Oh, well, duh, she's a hearing bitch, and and this mom is like, kind of complaining about her, I guess, type of people. And it's like, hear. hey, come, come on, so hey, is- I'm one of them over here. You don't don't forget me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it also happened another time with like, uh, and this is when they took away subtitles. Was when um, her dad, uh, what was it? No, it was, um, how does music make you feel? It was when the teacher asked, how does music make you feel? And she signed it. And I imagine that sign language and not just interpretive motions. Yeah. But instead of speaking it, she signed it. I think it's kind of a brilliant premise to have. Like, first off, this is a very unique um, story to be told like you don't see something like this often in cinema and i think that's what helps coda stand out and it really has made me think like the movie good movies make you think right they kind of challenge your worldview and i think i wasn't necessarily challenged but my horizons were broadened because now i kind of i i thought throughout the movie about oh yeah you know a lot of stuff would be very fucking difficult for a deaf person to kind of do um, and it made you think about the kind of limitations and creative solutions they have to come up with to function uh, in society. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the flashing alarm clocks. I know when I was, my brother went to uh, RIT, which has a significant deaf population. Mm-hmm. So in all the dorms, they have the the light-based alarm clocks or fire alarms. They all have flashers on yeah. them. So, um, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, and, the you know a lot of drama comes from them being deaf. But it also kind of forces you as a writer 
to exercise show don't tell. Yeah. Because they communicate largely non-verbally. So if you have a four, th- th- three-fourths three of your principal characters being non-verbal communicated, it kind of forces you to uh, approach the storytelling from a largely visual and contextual standpoint, which helps. Yeah. You know, and they did a they did a really good job of like also not shoving it in your face to say like hey, these are deaf people, these are deaf people. Like they didn't. I don't know how many like special, um, like specialized devices a deaf family would have around the house, like the alarm clock. Like that's one thing that they showed. Mm-hmm. But I don't. There wasn't a whole lot of that going on. The video relay. They just talk about uh, it. The for video a relay. Yeah, they mention it briefly. Um. But there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of, of of that shown, which is good. I think that was that was well done. I think it kind of shows that this is this is a family just like yours and yeah, mine. They they just with one massive hurdle yeah. in socializing, and I think they kind of get into like the backstory of like how that family integrated into the community, and that they didn't they didn't integrate at all, and they were kind of like. I think maybe they self alienated themselves because they didn't think they would be understood, which is kind of conveyed in the bar scene is that like, he's trying to communicate, but like, and I understand like the brother's point of view. It's like, Hey, like we live in this world. Like, let's let them worry about how to communicate with us. Like, fuck them. Like, fuck the world. I want to live. I want to do shit. And I have ambitions and, the only thing holding me back is that I can't speak and people can't communicate with me, which shouldn't be my problem. Let them figure out. There's plenty of ways that we can do it. Yeah, I I don't know. That was another moment right in the last third of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really, like, I'm not going to, I don't know enough deaf people to really kind of, like, comment. And everyone's different. Everyone's a unique individual. Mm-hmm. But it was surprising to me how, um, like, novice i guess they were at doing things like reading lips and i know it's difficult for deaf people to speak but uh, the deaf people or hearing impaired people i've personally met can communicate verbally it's not easy i wouldn't imagine but they have the capability of doing so mm-hmm. um so I, you know it is it's kind of i guess an advanced <laughs> situation for them or maybe because they had her as a hearing daughter they never bothered to put in the time to learn to rip, lip read or communicate verbally um and and maybe it's maybe it's something that's only like kind of known in the in the deaf community and i can ask my friend about this later because he does asl um maybe it's an aspect where you have to kind of grow up with a um uh, uh what they can be what do you what do you call like, what do you non-hearing impaired Non-deaf people. Yeah, they just hearing people. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you um, maybe you have to like grow up with hearing people, uh, and like kind of learn how to read lips slowly over time. Where the brother may have interacted more with the, with Ruby, Leo and Ruby may have interacted more together, and that's how he learned how to read lips. Whereas the mother and father may not have had that benefit, but we don't really get to like see that aspect of them. Um, the other thing is that. So just in general as a thing, part of their trouble is that reading lips isn't an exact science. Right. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, because, you know, how much, you know, you can, you can say a lot of words without moving your mouth. Ventriloquists do it all the time. So um, normal people, to a lesser extent, their, their mouths aren't going to always match their words. So it's, 
it's it's a pretty tough skill in general to get right, and there's a lot of approximation that goes on. Um, I, I it was interesting to me, like they they mentioned it. And I think it was a good creative choice for them not to talk about uh, the deafness in like a societal aspect, because that's that's a lot of how I understand it, is through like a um, a community context, like the deaf community. And when you know we were talking earlier, you said about the the conversation between. Um, the mom and, and, and Ruby, uh, how she was like heartbroken, mm-hmm. you know, that is, that is a, uh, not uncommon sentiment, um, in some families where if, you know, you'll hear like the more sensational stories about, um, parents who have kids who can get like cochlear implants and let's say, no, I don't want the kid to get the implants. I want them to remain deaf because I need we need them to be. I want them to be connected to our community. Wasn't that because wasn't that a plot point in Scrubs? Maybe, maybe? I, there's I a lot of episodes of Scrubs. No, um, <laughs> yeah. but like they're they are connected enough where there is a capital D deaf. Like it's a it's almost like an ethnic group um, because they've had to be grouped by their own mode of communication. Yeah and culture. Um, so it's interesting that they, they only made passing reference to it, but I think that's probably for the better. Yeah. To focus the on a scope of the movie story. is that this is a personal movie. It's about Ruby and the mm-hmm. challenges she faces mm-hmm. as the hearing child of deaf adults and how much they rely on her and how much it impedes her ability to live the life of a normal kid. Yeah, um, where she's had been, she's she was forced to grow up at an early age. Yeah. Like, and like her what, dad, when her like dad and her mom s- are arguing, they're like, she never was a baby, because she had to yeah. do all this stuff for yeah. her family from such an early age. Like, and we see from Miles' perspective, I think Miles, yeah, Miles' perspective, where he was like, yeah, I remember seeing you, I think in like third grade, and you ordered a beer, and you were you're taking these orders uh, for your parents at, at the restaurant, like a like a boss. He said. You know, you were very mature at that age to to be able to do that. Yeah, and he's got to like in the, right in the beginning where she has to explain, do the relay between the doctor and the them about jockish, their jockish yeah, and funny. how they shouldn't be fucking. Says, um, yeah. Which that that one kind of struck me weird. I'm like, are there no if they have contact with like a deaf community? There's no ASL. Doctors yeah, I'm in surprised the area. that there's like no one like they've lived in this community for years and like no one else knows no sign language. Like that was it seemed a, lot, a little, but could I be mean, true. it could be true, and it definitely lended itself to increase the dramatic tension of the movie. So I I understand even if it's an embellished uh, thing why they did it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that did kind of strike me as odd. But I think going back to Jake's point about the uh, the guy whose name escapes me, yeah, um, he kind of points out to her. You- that hey, you've got a good family unit here. Like not everyone. Oh, the the yeah, love interest. Not everyone yeah. is so lucky, yeah. um, to have that. You know, his he's there's, there's downsides. And yeah, there's he's upsides. a parent of, he's a child of divorce or near divorce or whatever. <laughs> um, we we'll get to the music in a little bit, but I should say that as one of the introductions to his family life. They talk about how his dad doesn't consider the guitar a stringed a instrument. A true string instrument. And I was like, like no what? one, not in the history of ever, 
has has disqualified. Like, if you are, you're not even like elitist. You're like fake elitist because I think you're just. Have you never heard of a wrong? Loot? Have you never heard of a right? A, a classic, a gujang, a classical guitar, how would you, flamenco. How would you not consider a guitar a true string instrument? Like, I don't think that makes you elitist. I think that makes you wrong. <laughs> yeah, like I I can. The, I guess the inference was supposed to be that a true stringed instrument should be a bowed string instrument, but that's just that's not even true to history. Yeah, because there have been plenty of plucked string instruments throughout the entirety of antiquity. Uh, the harp, excuse me. <laughs> the harpsichord. <laughs> that's that's a pro so. Um, well, Jake. Yeah, Jake, Jake just fucking <laughs> bounced in the middle of our review yeah. here. To go, <laughs> he's taking care of business and working. To go overtime. have a conversation. Um, with his <laughs> but yeah, the um, the relationship stuff that was that was pretty conventional, I'd say. Yeah, um, I mean, most of most of that is pretty meet cute, break up, coming back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I do I do think it's kind of humorous uh, the way that the rift was set. For her parents, you know, they just fuck loudly because they can't hear each other. Well, it, I think I think it, like it was a it was a good uh, setup and payoff from like the beginning scenes where they're not realizing how loud they are, so they're clanking around things and they're yeah. there's no background there's, like sound going on. There's no reason to be quiet. Yeah, there's yeah. no reason to be quiet. So like, hey, they're gonna fuck loudly. The the guy the guy has his sound on on his phone, so he's like nobody. He's not caring about who hears him on t- Tinder or whatever. He's ripping ass. He's ripping ass. She's clanking plates down, and then it's a good payoff when they're like they're fucking. They're not realizing they're the headboard's hitting and the the bed is squeaking like crazy. The kids home. Well, yeah, they yeah. don't know the kids are home. Yeah, they're playing and, yeah, music they loudly, but because they're deaf, they don't realize that there's someone else yes. in the house. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it all it all really ties in. So like again, this movie is about Ruby and her struggles as a child of deaf adults and like these are problems that are unique to kids. Like she has she has, you know, issues that are relatable because you know, she's a teenage mm-hmm. girl mm-hmm. growing up. Um, yeah. And then she has issues that are unique to her situation. And I think the movie does a pretty good job of weaving them together and presenting them in a way where you're like Oh yeah, okay. I guess that would be something. So using it as a window yes. into yeah. those other issues. Yeah. Like everybody can be relatable. Like being embarrassed by parents picking them up from school and, <laughs> the and acting weird in a way. But like hers is amplified by like the rap music. But the, um, another, and, I want to touch briefly on the bullying. Like I know kids yeah. are awful, but I feel like. Especially if this movie is supposed to be set in 2022, that they're not gonna pick yeah. on her because her family's disabled. That that was a little, a little like I, I too cliche bullying. Like I'm like, really? And like these kids are monsters. The, like Jesus. The, the, smell like fish. Yeah, I get that. That was fine by me. Mm. But she mentioned that they were like making. They were at least they're not a. Uh, Doing um, deaf voice anymore? But doing their deaf voices, yeah. At me, I'm like, holy fuck. And I'm like, yeah, they would. They didn't do that because they didn't want to show that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's fucking and awful. And even when she's pressed on it, she, like, doesn't 
do an imitation of of what she sounded like before. Like yeah, when her music teachers like do, do it. She's like, no, <laughs> no, that's not like it's it's like it's a it's not something that's even cool to mimic. Like it's not not something they feel comfortable doing because it's like they can't help that yeah. aspect of their of Which, their life. I think this is a good enough segue as any. Yeah, to let's start, start talking, talking about, about her past. Okay. I, I've stayed out of this largely because I'm not a super musical person, although her uh, her discovery of ability kind of mirrors mine, not to say that I'm like a stupendously talented singer, but like I... There are a lot of musicians who just, uh, yeah. you, you do it I started a jam as a, band as a joke, and it turned out that I was okay at singing, so... Like that kind of like, are you any good? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Turns out mm. I'm okay. Like that was relatable to me, but that's about the extent of it. I never did it in any formal capacity. So this, I'm gonna so cede the floor I, to Peter. <laughs> let's let's do it. I, um, I was gonna say because I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to you know, voice Chris, my my fiance, because she was. I watched it with her, and she had multiple issues with it so i am just a relay for her so a proxy guest on Let's the podcast some nits, kids. um uh, some nits. in her in her voice um holy fuck that's not how any of this works uh you you, you don't <laughs> yeah. uh, like the first thing you don't just like this is the most extra chorus teacher for this small course <laughs> she, that I've ever seen. Like, let's get a scarf on. So, <laughs> yeah, I will like, say, with a band room that size, but there's like twelve people in the chorus. What do you like? If for a school that big, you should have forty people in that chorus, and he should be doing the bare minimum songs for like, like the. With, like band class in Seoul, remember he's like teaching the band class, and they're all like they just fucking suck, and they're just like goofing off and yeah. shit. That's what a music <laughs> class is like in high school. Also, Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye wouldn't be playing. But I feel like I mean it makes a little more sense because it is an elective course. They are there because they want to be there. Um, they have mm-hmm. or it's yeah, it's a club. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's a club yeah. or a class because there there were bells and schedules, so it makes me think it's a class. But I know, but it was like the size and the vibe of it was like was more. Like nobody's talking like, about let's grade. Get it on in a fucking high school class. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know how they set their up, set their thing up. Maybe maybe uh, where was this? Bo- maybe uh, yeah, Massachusetts is kind of weird Boston with their area. curriculum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So there, that's that was wild. Uh, the whole kind of like how they choose most most vocal instructors I know are pretty down to earth folks who are about like just drilling down to the details and not. I mean, it's just a Hollywood thing that every every one of their exercises has to be this soul discovering uh, test because the other ones, which I you know you can assume they did, are just not going to be as interesting. Yeah, yeah. you know your day to day musical practice, red leather, yellow leather, vocal warm ups, running pieces. Yeah, and they'll put the they'll put the emotional the the turnkey moments on screen. Yeah, um, that I will say it is accurate that yeah vocal professors will you'll definitely like yeah come over to my house and we'll say I have my piano at home I have my whole setup. Yeah. We'll do extra practice. Kristen's problem with that was the fact that she's like, no music teacher in their right mind would give away music lessons for free. And there was never, and especially in a, a, a movie about a family that's struggling with money and that also doesn't know 
a whole lot about her like like that conversation would have come up if it was a thing so he was giving those lessons away for free uh like setting up their audition stuff and um like the the warm-ups that you were mentioning also like it doesn't happen after the first try and it kind of made us kind of feel like this was their like first or second like intro into like warming up or uh you know trying to sing and everything like that and then one little warm-up or one little uh breathing practice was like night and day difference between uh sounding like crap and then actually sounded pretty decent so i'll push back a little <laughs> bit on that where it was more of like an embarrassment thing because the open the establishing shot of the movie she's singing and then she sounds like she does when she's like letting go and and singing with her diaphragm after the vocal exercise mm -hmm. so i think it was more of a like overcoming the embarrassment sort of thing than it really had to do with her breathing through her diaphragm but it was also everybody though yeah. a little column a, a little column because everybody I was doing the, <gasps> yeah well the panting after and everything. she was like like after she was instructed to do it he was like oh are you embarrassed well everyone do it now so and that kind of made her feel more comfortable which uh, that is a, that definitely is a chorus teacher thing, except um, well, yeah, and no one else would have. Yeah, we w I wouldn't have a problem doing that. It's like the kid who had got come up, they got called up for the solo is like trying to do warm ups and they're feeling it. like yeah, no, feel a little self conscious yeah. makes sense. Um, they definitely again, this is this is a Hollywood thing. They did they digitally enhanced every every voice every performance in this yeah, show yeah. for sure. Um, and in the in the pop style, um, definitely, um, just to I guess make it so that the the text of the, this is this is Suicide Squad level, so the text of the songs is more relatable to the audience. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's all it's all pop songs in this, which isn't like a bad. It's what thing, they could license. But, <laughs> well, that's weird though, because like you could definitely license choral music a lot easier, but that isn't as relatable to a. Uh, to well, a general audience. I, I can speak from having to go to a few of these performance things. At my high school, at least, they did tend to mm -hmm. pick fairly recognizable songs for their like more hip chorus performances. There's always yeah, there's always a glitch. Yeah. Yep. So maybe that was what what this was about. But you know, my my only my only firsthand knowledge is like going to band and then there being like usually you do. Like the, some classical things, and then there'll be like maybe do maybe do right? Star Wars or The Incredibles was always a popular pick yeah. um, for like the the senior band to do as like a the finishing piece or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would have expected there to be more like like classical or Broadway sort of Handle stuff for the shit. choir to sing. <laughs> yeah, like 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 more yeah. like snooze fest kind of stuff, but like technical, like it shows like technical expertise in that. Um, and, you know, it's possible because they do kind of, like, skip through a bunch of the recital that they and, did some of that stuff. And and I'm thinking they probably did. And I think that we have to, like, kind of leave that up to our imagination. Just like, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't their first, um, like, uh, try in singing as a group. Like, I'm sure they did that before. They did other warm-up oh. exercises. It's just they're not going to show you because that's not good. It's a movie. It, it has that's to not be good cinematic. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I will point out one thing, which just fucking, it did hit right right at home. The chubby kid, the chubby exuberant theater kid 
who is way too into it, that is absolutely <laughs> that is absolutely that on the person nose. exists in every school. Uh, I I knew him. I prank called that kid when we were on senior trip. Spook the shit out of him. Um, the other thing that that uh, Kristen had a problem with was when they when she came when the Miles came over to the house to practice. Uh, they did not do any warm ups. She was like, "Oh, well, you're not going to do any warm ups." Yeah, they didn't know what, what the, fuck? the fuck they were doing. Like. It's usually not that hard, <coughs> even if it's just like peer a uh, peer rehearsal. Like you just get into it. Yeah, um, so, uh, ain't no must no fuss about. And it. then uh, for Kristen, for her going to actual music school, she's been on these auditions personally. So she, I think, this was her biggest gripe was the fact that uh, this is not how any of this works. Like you have to get into the school first. Um, and she made a point to say, oh, sc- I'm not good at school. Like, they didn't get into the nitty gritty, like, what's your grades like? But, you know, it's kind of implied that she's not, like, that apt to getting into school. Well, I think and part of it to get in, is... Uh, to get into Berkeley, I think you have to probably have good grades initially to get in, and then you apply for the music program. Well, it's a college of music, so I don't know if that's any different. Um uh, she, Kristen was like, no, you, you like for anything like this, like, like UC Berkeley or not UC Berkeley, but <laughs> um, Berkeley Music is, uh, uh, College of Music like that. You have to get into Berkeley first and then get into the the music program. I don't know that, that they, she was they, they fit. bad at school, but like the fact that she had to work on the fishing boat, you know, it made it harder to like focus in class. You know, it, it, she fell falling asleep through history. I. Yeah, because I, she was out know. on the boat at five a.m. Like I, I think I that know, was kind of like what they were trying to illustrate, and maybe she buckled down because she's like, "I gotta get into Berkeley." Who knows? I don't. F- yes, I mean, I, I'm sure in the real world it does not work like that, but there's a reason why this wasn't a documentary. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, like, and that's the Hollywood part of that too. Is that the the ju- the auditioners were like kind of snobby yeah snobby um, but i mean they do have bit. rules they do have rules about like not letting people in like she was like oh that music teacher would not have been able to just walk in i'm sure they would have like locked the balcony doors or bit have more close eyes on stuff like maybe even they would have stopped once they realized the parents were there um uh, the sheet music they would have already had in advance like a lot of that stuff is sent in advance the the fucking accompanist would probably be able to like i'm I don't know. I maybe I'm overstating. I we had a really good accompanist when I was in I was in uh, school. They could at least do the chords. Yeah. If it's a pop song, if it's a Yo- if it's a Joni Mitchell pop song, you, that accompanist can probably hit those chords. Yeah. Um. And then then the the I think the the basic gist that you know the problem with this aspect is is that she's a mayor she's a Mary Sue basically of singing. You know she comes in having to learn what pianissimo is. And me being um, just a fucking hog, I know what a pianissimo is. I know what like basic chords are, but she's coming in having to learn like the literal basics that you learn in middle school, and she knows none of this stuff uh, just to like learn how to sight read, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's like it, it, it's a baffling aspect of like, no, you have to practice for years to be this good, even if you're talented. I I would to be. All I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say to this is, great heartwarming story for her. She's gonna have a rough time freshman year. <laughs> yeah. 
I, yeah, I think yeah, so. Mary Sue might be a, a little more extreme than I'm willing to go. But yeah, like I'm sure a lot of it is for dr- the dramatic effect of, you know, and maybe she knows sure. kind of like this is this mm-hmm. thing you do with your voice, but doesn't know the technical term for it. That's another thing I could see happening. But again, dissecting this movie for accuracy in terms of its musical process seems like a... Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I am a vessel for my fiancé. Look, I feel none of these things. I'm fine with it. I was fine with all of these dramatic choices because I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's a movie. It's, a it's like they're just, just trying to get into school. But but as, as somebody, I think it just hit way too close to home because she's like, I literally went to school for music. I know how this works, and this ain't it. It's like if it's. I guess it's like if uh, there was a movie about an engineer, and it's like somebody who uh, was failing through all of high school, and then just like knew how to put together an engine really good, and then got into like like MIT because he put together. Yeah, I guess in fairness, we did have that criticism when we did Spider-Man No Way Home. It's like, there's no way four kids from any one public school in New York City are <laughs> oh, getting yeah. into MIT, okay? <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess, yeah, the same thing could be said for that because it's like, we don't know how good of, like, math students and, like, like science and tech that the all these guys are. Like, all we know is that Peter made his web really well and he knows and, some and science. even then... Even- in that school, they were all in like a, a New York City magnet school, and were all like science wizards. Yeah. They, even that was like more, they had more set up for that. Um, yeah, so I think just for me, it's just one of the it's the pitfalls you run into when you um, when you're using you know, one of the things you might have to be careful of when you're trying to use when you're using shorthand character stories. Sometimes that can interfere with the the reality of it but that's like i said that's hollywood mm-hmm. this is this is a hollywood movie um it's a it's a solid fundamentals solid story i can't wait for uh sian uh sean hader i don't know how to pronounce her name either because i think it's <laughs> french uh even though she was born in cambridge so um so it's a local movie for her shane shane hader I can't wait to look forward to her in the next Marvel movie directing oh, it. Oh, ah, you know what? Yeah. Actually, I uh, on that topic of like the the small Oscar winner getting picked up for the big name studio thing. I was doing a look and see what the director of Pig was up to, and I did see that he had been taken. He's going to do a Quiet Place Part Three, so he's already gotten snatched up for the big studio project. I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I, I didn't. There's a couple more things I want to mention quickly. Uh, one, I guess I just saw this. This, there was like French opening subtitles and stuff, and I was like, "What the fuck's up with that?" Okay, I'm just reading it now. <clears throat> Apparently, this was a twenty. This was originally a 2014 movie in French called La Family La Family Bellier, okay. uh, which I'm guessing is like the 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 deaf family probably or something like that. And then it was this was an English adaptation of that. And it turned um, out good. Which you know, sometimes that doesn't turn out good. Like um, there was a French movie that won a lot of, I think maybe won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Picture called The Intouchables about the rich quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. And they remade that um, recently in America with Kevin Hart and uh, Brian Cranston. And it was not good. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. just because you're you're basing it off of a successful foreign film does not necessarily mean it's going to be a good adaptation. So mm-hmm. and my my last thing about this is you know what? I would really like to see this as a stage play. I feel like this could be really good as a stage yeah. play. Yeah, I think there's there's few enough settings and the settings are uh inconsequential enough, I guess, to where it would work as a stage play. Um stage plays mm-hmm. can be rather musical in nature, so that fits right in with the uh Yeah, or you just it could be a musical. Yeah. You could even. yeah, you could definitely do this as a musical. All right, so that's uh we're done talking about this Academy Award winner for Best Picture. Please tune in next week when we talk about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which will be a much better movie, I'm sure. <laughs> we will have no, as no, no, it's no. Jim Carrey's last it's Jim Carrey's last film ever. Definitely he's not ever coming back to make anything else. Uh, he said so he told the media, which means it's true. Wait, did he say that? Yeah, he said he's going to retire from acting after Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Bullshit. Even though he's probably just even going to be in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Maybe he dies. Well, they're waiting. Uh, Oh, Actually, I did read that they're they're planning to build a Sonic cinematic universe. Uh, Hey, you know what? uh, There's plenty of source material to work with. There's maybe too much source material (laughs) to work with. You got to pick and choose your source material. Please bring in Shadow. Who's all right? Who's gonna voice Shadow in um, in the? Uh, hmm. I look. I'm not gonna say anything. Um, I just will say that uh, the I, apparently I don't know how true this is, but apparently there was a Portuguese uh, dub or something like that that was dropped on Pornhub or on X videos that somehow got leaked early. And I heard something about a post-credit scene, so I'm not. What? Well, I, I mean, yeah, they're not like I read nod. a news article that's that said Paramount has said that they want to make a cinematic universe out of this. So I'm sure so, there will be a post-credit scene setting something in the future up. I'm not saying it's I already watched on that. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. It's going to be uh, Mecha Sonic. Metal Sonic. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yep. Yeah, it's like his greatest creation to do that yeah i could i could see that pretty easily uh who would voice shadow that's a good question i'll have to think about that i'll have an answer for the stream tonight <laughs> which leads us into chris rock to, to pro- promoting the uh, <laughs> promoting the stream uh twitch tv backslash saturn studs tiny tina's wonderlands is the game um shooting people is the name game main game name fame Oh, it. Coda, interesting, is one star less on IMDb than RRR. <laughs> oh, my God. Hmm. Why didn't they give RRR an Academy Award? <laughs> Come on. Come on, Academy Awards. Come on. Okay, Oscar Awards. It'll Academy happen. Oscars. It'll happen one day. We'll get a, we'll get an Indian Bollywood movie. That'll, that'll make yeah, it better. India fucking takes over the world economy from China. <laughs> <laughs> They just need more people. It That's all. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, Twitch TV backslash Sounds is the place to go. Soundsdoes.com. You can also go to check out all our other links and affiliations, including past episode archives, bios on the three of us, and uh, links to Iron Blood Gaming, which we are a content mm-hmm. creation uh, 
affiliate, affiliate. The content creator, I guess, would be the way to say that in normal human yeah. speak uh, for that organization. So be sure to check them out. Uh, they've got a call. The, oh, actually, I should promote this uh, in, in sincerity. We are Iron Blood Gaming as a whole is going to be running several um, streams. We've partnered up with an organization uh, focusing on promoting mental health awareness and such for, uh, I guess it's specifically targeted towards gamers, but it's just a mental health uh, charity. Um, so there will be a few streams uh, in the coming months dealing with that. Um, I have I haven't done my my personal due diligence on the company, but I assume that the organization did their due diligence and that they're they're a good uh, charity to be partnered with. So um, be on the lookout to their to Iron Blood Gaming Twitter for uh, news and notes about you know what charity streams are and where you can donate to help the costs. So uh, be on the lookout for all that. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.